This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 21st of June 2021. And Norman, every time there's a press conference about a new case of coronavirus, we start to hear the same sort of uh, message coming through again, which is that the virus has transmitted through fleeting contact and that these people uh, might have caught it from someone that they don't even know the name of or they don't actually know how this person caught the virus. We've, we heard it definitely in the, the recent Victorian outbreak. We've heard it in the New South Wales outbreak, which is ongoing at the moment. And there could be the case that perhaps that's what happened with this, um, this flight attendant who we've heard has the virus in Brisbane. Is this what we mean when we're hearing that the virus is becoming more transmissible or is this something that might have actually been happening all along but we're just watching so closely at the moment? Well, your last comment there needs to be taken first. So there's no question that this virus, this Delta virus, is more contagious, anything up to 80% more contagious. And that means that more people are likely to become infected from each person who's caught the virus. And if it's in an uncontrolled situation, as indeed New South Wales was an uncontrolled situation, nobody was wearing masks, nobody was actually taking any action there, then each person infected prior to the restrictions put upon it by the New South Wales government could infect between maybe around about six other people, perhaps as many as eight other people. So that's really contagious compared to the Wuhan virus at 2.3, 2.4. And look how that one spread. So that, that is a worry. Then you've got to say, well, how does it spread? But let's deal with the fleeting thing first. As we get better with contact tracing, as the QR code situation improves or is maintained, there was a problem with that in Victoria, as they use CCTV footage more and more, contact tracing is becoming really sophisticated and therefore they're finding out stuff they've probably never known about before. So it's quite possible that the ancestral virus, what we might call the Wuhan virus, was caught fleetingly by casual passing other people. It's perfectly possible. Um, It's also possible that this is more likely to be caught fleetingly as it is more contagious because people are shedding more virus as they go by. So anecdotally, and it is just anecdotal at the moment, this virus is more likely, you're hearing more reports of fleeting transmission but it could just be a phenomenon of observation. We keep hearing that it's more contagious. How do we know that? Well, at a gross level, we know it because it's muscling out other viruses. So it's muscling out the alpha, and it's probably muscling out the South African variant. It's muscling out the kappa variant. So the fact that it's muscling them out means on a population base, it's more contagious. We're talking specifically about the Delta strain at the moment. We are. So I should have made that clear. Thank you very much, Tegan. So you know that at a population level, I think it's in 80 countries now. So by definition, it's more contagious. It's it's more more successful virus. And that probably means that you're more likely to catch it in in a more fleeting situation. But it's also that we are so alert and so good with our contact tracing, we're observing more. So just don't necessarily believe everything you read or that is said at the moment. You've got to watch because you might remember there was a supposed outdoor transmission, I think it was in Epping in Victoria, which turned out not to be an outdoor transmission after all. So we've just got to see, the fact it's more contagious means that something's happening and we've just got to be super careful here. Given that we are hearing that it's more contagious and these, these stories keep popping up, 
One, is it just going to keep getting even more contagious forever? And two, what does this mean for our public health measures that we put in place to try to stop the spread? It means the the public health measures are exactly the same. You wear masks, you wear masks indoors in particular, you wear masks in public transport, and you are super careful in terms of your symptoms and massive numbers of people need to get tested. Those are the primary ways of controlling this virus when it's at low numbers. When it gets to higher numbers, then there really isn't much alternative to lockdown. That doesn't change. It just becomes a tougher job and a bit more scary at the beginning because you don't know how many people um, are actually out there with the virus and spreading it. What's the limit on how contagious the virus can get as it continues to evolve? As the months go by, the viruses will become more contagious because as we take more and more precautions against the virus, such as vaccination, quarantine and so on, the virus is programmed to survive and the mutants that are more contagious will work around that. doesn't mean to say necessarily it's more vaccine resistant, it's just more contagious will do to keep the virus going in the community. So yes, we are going to see for the rest of this year, next year, until we get low-income countries fully immunised, more and more contagious forms of the virus and maybe even more vaccine-resistant forms of the virus. But that's not necessarily essential. Contagiousness will do. What about incubation periods? Because it sounds like the Queensland woman that was announced yesterday who was a flight attendant, she'd spent 14 days in hotel quarantine and then tested positive after that. Is it perhaps with a longer incubation period? The answer to that question is, do you have to invent something new here? We hear lots of stuff about the incubation period that's going shorter, and that's why you're getting a 24 to 48-hour cycle at the beginning of a new variant hitting the community. But then it settles down to the old incubation period, five, eight days. And longer incubation period is not strong evidence of that. So I think that you have to go on past uh, performance, predicting future performance, The most likely thing, if I were to be betting on this, is that the flight attendants caught it in hotel quarantine and she's been brewing it like the wallet man. You don't have to really invent too much else. That's happened several times before. It's going to happen in the future. Why change the nature of the virus? So did she perhaps, well, we're speculating here, but could she have caught it in the final couple of days of hotel quarantine? Yeah, you're right. It's pure speculation, but that's you know, that would be have to be very, very high on your list. And so, of course, the, the big defence that we're trying to roll out as quickly as possible now is vaccines. Uh, we are hearing that Victoria is trying to, to ramp up production of an mRNA vaccine. They're starting phase one clinical trials. What do we know so far about that? So what we know is the Victorian government's putting several million dollars towards uh, mRNA vaccine uh, manufacturing capacity. I think that's around Monash University. And um, we, we, we seem to be hearing very long lead times to a manufacturing facility. Remember that Pfizer got one going in Germany in just a very short space of time, although there were all sorts of caveats around that because there were already existing infrastructure in place. So it's hard to know why, why it should take as long as people are saying it's going to take. We seem to be moving at a very slow speed. But the other issue for a manufacturing facility is a sponsor. So you know, is Pfizer, are Pfizer or Moderna willing to sponsor a manufacturing facility in Australia, manufacture there? In, in this situation, if you've got a successful vaccine coming out of Monash, early days yet, then they would be the sponsor of a manufacturing facility. So it would be a, an Australian manufacturing facility for an Australian vaccine. It's early days for all this. It is pretty exciting to think that there could be an Australian mRNA vaccine coming through because we've seen really good efficacy um, from the other mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, but it it is a long time to wait. Would we be better off 
trying to just manufacture something that's tried and tested here to start with. The word on the street is that we should be manufacturing Novavax if Novavax would allow us to do that. So Novavax vaccine is um, a protein-based vaccine, which CSL, for example, is very used to producing. It's got a different adjuvant, which is the chemical used to stimulate the immune system. And whether Novavax, Novavax would like one of its competitors, namely CSL, to know exactly how to produce it's adjuvant, I don't know, because that's that's their secret sauce. But Novavax could be produced here. And then you were talking about the success of mRNA vaccines. Sadly, the CureVac vaccine, which is a German, another German mRNA vaccine, this is a company that's 30% owned by the German government, has come up with disappointing results on um, what's called a phase two, phase three trial, which is about dose and effectiveness. And they did not quali- they would not have qualified for approval of this vaccine because it was under 50% effective. But they had a lot of variance in this study. Now, you can't compare their results to Pfizer and Moderna, whose trials were done with the Wuhan virus. And unless you did a head-to-head study, I mean, it's quite possible that Pfizer and Moderna would be performing down at that level, although the circumstantial evidence from around the world is that they're not. In other words, they are performing more at a higher level. So it's not necessarily something that's special about the mRNA vaccine technology that like every mRNA vaccine isn't guaranteed to be a winner. That's right. They all have their own subtleties and peculiarities and design features. And I think that we've been lucky with Moderna and Pfizer that they are so successful. There is something in that mRNA technology which makes it effective. And I don't think anybody's too sure why the CureVac's not coming up. Trump's here and it could be there were so many variants in the study, but that's the real world here. So on variants, you said that there's some new research out showing that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines probably are going to do okay against the variants. What's that? Well, there's actually one study from Germany, which the CDC has just published or just put out information about, where there was an outbreak in, uh, an, in an aged care facility where a lot of people were in fact immunised with Pfizer and what they found was there was a high attack rate in the uh, in the facility, but nobody got serious disease. They all got mild symptoms. So it just emphasizes that you can get infected, but that the severe disease, you are protected against the severe disease, which is really good news. And by the way, Astra probably does the same thing too. That same research group had an, another finding from that same aged care facility in Germany about how it takes older people a bit longer to develop antibodies after getting Pfizer? Yes, and which is not surprising. And this outbreak was quite soon after the second dose. And the variant that they were uh, looking at at that point in the outbreak was the alpha variant, the one that we used to know as the Kent or UK variant. Just like with so many things with this pandemic, we're just still learning as we go. The story changes all the time, which is why CoronaCast is still on air. (laughs) Well, we know it's been a while since we've answered some of your questions, but don't worry, they're in the bank and we'll get to them on a future episode. Keep them coming at abc.net.au slash coronacast. But that's all we've got time for today. And promise we'll get to some of your questions tomorrow. See you then. 